It's time for Tycoons of Small Biz, spotlighting the true backbone of the American economy, the true tycoons of business in America, the owners, founders, and CEOs of small businesses. The show's hosts, Austin Peterson and Landon Mance, are registered representatives of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker-dealer, member SIPC, and registered investment advisor. The views expressed by your hosts, Austin and Landon, are not necessarily the views of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Let's lean in as Austin and Landon connect with this week's Tycoons. Good afternoon, Tycoons, and welcome to today's episode of Tycoons of Small Biz. I'm your host, Austin Peterson, coming to you live this week from Provo, Utah. Just trying to escape the heat in Phoenix, and it did not work. It's 107 here, so I basically should have stayed in Phoenix. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Landon Mance, coming to you live from Las Vegas, where, guess what? It's also hot. We're excited to have here on the show with us today, Scott Snyder, president of the Exit Planning Institute, coming to us from just outside of Cleveland, Ohio. So, Scott, welcome to the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, about 66 degrees here, so not bad, right? We're just getting into our summer here in, in, in the Midwest, in Northeast Ohio. Yeah, it's this time of year where I think I would enjoy living in Cleveland. But I'll tell you what, when it's December or January and that wind's coming off of the Great Lakes, I, is it Lake Erie that's oh, in Cleveland? Yeah. Lake Erie, right. Yeah, so yeah, I, I don't know that January, I would you get like a You get like a negative five. That, that's a tough. If you could make it through January, you're probably good. But January is a tough, tough month. Yeah, I don't know that I could do that. But God bless you for doing it uh, Thanks, man. for us. So I'll tell you what, so I want to just give a quick intro to those who are listening or watching the show for the first time. Uh, we're, of course, on, on YouTube, and, and then we've got podcasts streaming on Apple and everywhere, every other podcast platform you can think of. And so I assure you, if this is the first time that you're watching it, this is not a commercial for Just for Men. This just happens to be three very good-looking bearded guys that are going to talk <laughs> about business today. In all seriousness, our program, Tycoons of Small Biz, is a program by small business owners for small business owners. And so essentially, we're, we do this show once a week. We bring a new business owner or president of a company to come on and talk about what it is that they do in their business and why that matters. They'll give good advice and, and share whatever you know, parts of their story will be beneficial to other business owners who, who listen to this program. Because Landon and I are true believers that that the small business owner, and not not always small, right? It doesn't mean five hundred thousand in revenue. It can be up to fifty million in revenue, still considered a small business. But it truly is the backbone of the American economy. We we are excited to do this show every week, and we're happy to have Scott on the show with us today. So, Scott, you're the uh, the president of the Exit Planning Institute. So, before we jump into what is exit planning, because I think a lot of people aren't quite sure what that is. Why don't you tell us a little bit about you personally? Tell us about your family. Tell us about how you grew up and what kind of got you to where you are today. Sure. So I would say that I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've had one job that lasted maybe three months in my entire life. I was a janitor at an all-boys high school. I thought I started on their summer crew, like painting stairs, and I did like a nice job. So I, I always remember his name was Richard. He asked me to if I wanted like a 50 cent an hour raise. Now, that was a big deal, right? So I was like, yeah. So I got one of those like jumpsuits that like zip up in the middle with a name patch on it and a cart with a bucket. And I cleaned bathrooms on the first floor of the high school that I went to. And at an all guys high school, that was pretty bad. So I said to my buddy, you know, let's throw a lawnmower in the back of our car and be our own boss this summer. I'm going to quit the janitor thing. You could drive. I couldn't drive at the time. He was a year older than me. We literally took his dad's Ford Taurus sedan, my dad's like Toro push mower and started mowing lawns for 20 bucks. So Fast forward like 10 years, we had about 13 or so employees and about a six or seven truck operation and somebody wanted to buy us. And so at, in 2010, uh, one of like, a, I would say like a, a pretty like traditional synergistic buyer that did something similar that uh, like we did. They liked our customers. They liked our equipment. They liked our process. They liked our training programs and uh, literally just did the, did the unsolicited offer. Have you ever thought about selling your business? And so. I hadn't, but uh, we ended up executing that in like uh, would have been eight, like April of 2010. And then I joined forces with my dad, Chris Snyder, who's the inventor of the methodology that we teach at EPI called the value acceleration methodology. 
And then we went on to buy the Exit Planning Institute in 2012, and, and I came in to run it in 2014. So Exit Planning Institute today is a professional education company. We, our purpose, if you will, is to help business owners create more significant companies that align also to their business, personal, and financial goals. So not just a successful company, something that people like working at maybe rips out good money each year and net profits, but something that's significant, something that's valuable, transferable, and, and, and really makes a big stamp, not just for the owner, but for everybody involved in, in that company. And so we do that through our certified exit planning advisors uh, and all of the advisors really a part of the, the EPI community. So we have a credentialing program, we have conferences, we have all kinds of stuff that advisors can interact with and learn from and connect with business owners uh, on as well. So that's EPI today and yeah, we were just laughing on about this earlier today because they were somebody was one of my teammates here was talking about, you know, how about working for others and having performance reviews. And I was like, I don't know if I've ever done that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so total, total entrepreneurial journey. I did the whole go to college for two years and drop out of college. So that that's, you know, I'm uh, here in Cleveland, born and raised. Uh, I played professional soccer for a little bit, so I I lived in uh, you know in Europe for a few months doing that, but for the most part, Midwest guy all the way through. Well, you got to be a pretty decent soccer player to be an American playing in a Euro League. Uh, I'm like, not a huge soccer really fan, cool but time. I know that means something. Yeah. It, was, no, it was a really cool time. Like the the United States is is in like a, like cut up into regions, and they take Olympic development teams over there. So we did that for like a, a handful of months, and that was cool. Great experience came back and I kind of had enough of it. Right. So when I talk about like an owner in transition, so I would play recreationally and pretty competitively, like once or twice a week when I like got out of, like when I dropped out of college to really focus on my business and that's what I would do kind of in my free time. But it was interesting. It was after, after I sold my company, right. Talk about having personal purpose or personal plans. I was 24 years old. So it's like the only, when I sold my company, so it was like the only thing that I knew and just like many owners, really, of any age, if you don't have personal plans outside of your business, I learned real quickly that like my business really defined who I was. And without it, I was kind of like, what am I doing? So I literally always had a dream of playing, getting paid to play soccer. So and I'm a, a arena soccer guy. So like a like, a, you know, kind of like if you guys ever seen like the major arena soccer league, right? It's kind of like five guys instead of 11 guys or six guys with a goalie. So I literally randomly tried out for the local team here and made it. And I was like, oh, what do I what do I do now? So, so, and then I still competitively play even today. I'm probably the oldest guy on the team today, but I can still hang out with them. It's like my one workout or two workouts that I do a week. So yeah, soccer is a big passion for me personally, for sure. Oh, that's cool. So a couple of things that, that came out of that for me is one, you sold a business at 24 years old. There aren't many people who can, who can say that, right? I mean, most of the business yeah. owners that Landon and I work with and for sure that you work with through the other advisors at Exit Planning Institute are typically in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and sure. even beyond. And so they're doing that at the end of their career. And that is kind of their big liquidity event. So I'm going to want to get your, your thoughts on that. And then another thing that you mentioned that we've discussed on previous shows is college, right? So, you know, the reality is college is a good idea for some people. Yeah. And it's sure. not a good idea for others. And I think that our society pushes everybody towards the traditional college education, go through, finish four years, and then, you know, go into your career. And, and that's yeah. just not the right direction for everybody. So I'd love to get your thoughts on that. I mean, Landon dropped out of college too, but it was to go play professional poker. And then he, he went back to college. So, you know, and quite honestly, I discount everything Landon says by about 43%. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a pretty interesting career choice. There. I like that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So tell us, tell us your thoughts on college overall. If you, if you sure. have any regrets on, on, you know, not going back or, or you know, yeah. where you are today. Let's, I'd love to hear it. I would say it's like a mixed bag, right? Like I was in a wedding this past weekend with a bunch of guys, like I was the only guy that he didn't go to college with. And they were all like trading war stories from like the spring breaks. And they're like, you know what I'm talking about Snyder? And I'm like, no, man, I, I, a, I went to college, but I was so busy running my business that I, I didn't do that kind of stuff. So if I had a regret, it's probably like living the college lifestyle, right? 
But I would say that I think you're spot on. I think that college is right for different career paths, right? Like if you're going to be a doctor, you probably got to go to college. You want to be a lawyer, you probably got to go to college. And then obviously all the stuff that comes after college as well. I think that, and, and then I feel like if you want some structure and you want to kind of investigate, like my cousin right now is investigating what he wants to do and what he wants to be, you could probably help find that in college. And, but I would say that, you know, it's interesting to think about what our world looks like, like 10, 15, 20 years, right? Like I always say, if I ever had a kid, he would either be a, I'd either have him kicking footballs, right? Because he could go in league minimum, like what, 750,000. I'm just going to have him kick footballs the entire time. Uh, or he's going to be like a, a Marine welder. You know, the guys that go fix ships, you know, like that also, I feel like, and you have to go to some schooling for that but you don't have to go to traditional college. So I think you're spot on. I think it's right for some people. I think at the time, like even at 24, which was 11 years ago for me, like if I would have sold my company and then tried to go get a job, I I probably have a hard time like 11 years ago because college plays a big role on on your resume and, and, and builds character. So I think that for those of us that don't go to college and don't go to a trade school and are saying like, like for me, it's kind of like I went to the school of hard knocks. I really surrounded myself with really good mentors. So even though I was trial and error, trial and error, I read a lot. I went to a lot of conferences, particularly for my trade. I went to like one-off classes every so often. So like I was in the landscape business, right? So when I saw something on the lawn, for example, that I didn't know what it was, like a disease, I'd go take a class at like a local community college for disease. So I think education is important. I think the form of education needs to it needs to appeal to you and needs to be right for your path at that time. And to be totally honest with you guys, like I have like a, a pretty massive bucket list. And on that bucket list that I wrote, it says I need to get a master's degree and a PhD. So I might be that like 60 year old dude at Harvard, you know, or like remember like Van Wilder, like Van Wilder, like the 35 year old, 40 year old guy that's still in college, like on his 10th year, might do something like that. Who knows? But I'm saying that I think education is important. I think traditional college is right for some people and not right for all. But I guess where I'd land on that to round that out for you guys is I would call it purposeful growth. It's something that is a core value here at our company. And I think that like unintentionally, it was probably a part of who I was through my entrepreneurial career is that if you're not always kind of growing and challenging, growing and challenging, not just from a business and career standpoint, but from a personal standpoint, then you're kind of just dull. And you're dull for your family, you're dull for your friends, you're dull in your career. And so if you want to continue being a better you, to me, it's about finding purposeful growth. For some of us, that's college. For some of that's owning businesses. For some of that's taking a break and going back. Some of it's reading books. But I think it's more about purposeful growth than anything else. I think that's very well said. I think it it really comes down to being a lifelong learner more than it is getting a traditional education, right? And 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 you're right. I mean... For me, maybe in my like entrepreneurial, maybe it's me just being a guy that like went to two years of college and dropped out to run his business. But like, I, I'm, I'm trying to like be transparent and say like, honestly, like, I don't know if I look to see what college they went to or what their GPA was. Again, that might be for me, right? So if I was, a, you know, for me, when I'm hiring my own team, I'm looking for, do they fit the core values? Obviously, they wouldn't be sitting at the interview table if they weren't qualified on paper. But I don't know if I'm like, hey, you know, this guy went to Stanford versus this guy went to the local community college. I don't know in my, for me, if that matters as much as I'm looking for skills and training and and outside, I'm looking for who they are. Like, what else do you do in life other than be a professional financial advisor or entrepreneur or, a, you know, or vice president of something? Like, who are you? And do you fit into the culture? So, but yeah, I would agree. I think it's about, you know, intentional growth, purposeful growth lifelong learner, no doubt. Well, so I know Landon wants to say something. I'm just going to make this, this last point. So the difference is, right? So you're, you're owning or you're running, you own it too with your dad. Yep. Yep. You're owning and operating a small business in America. And small businesses approach that kind of stuff differently than large organizations do, right? Because large organizations are using the online career finding websites and they're building in, I want a four-year degree. And so if you don't have a four-year degree, you're never even getting looked at. And I think that that's a huge issue in our country overall that I I understand why they do it. It makes it easy, 
but right. you know, I, I'm I'm hopeful. I'm probably wrong, but I'm hopeful that with what's gone on with this pandemic, that people are starting to look at a lot of things differently and realize, you know what, we've got a lot of systems in our country that are broken and we need to fix them in a way that's different and innovative today instead of that's the way it's always been. That's the way it's always going to be. You know, and as an entrepreneur, you at the moment I hear somebody say, that's not the way we do it, <laughs> then I, I know I'm in trouble. Right. Yeah, because right. I don't care if that's the way you do it. Let's look at other ways that we can do it that may be better for your company, for your organization, for your employees and for your customers. I think you're talking really about like what we're going to see over the next like 10, maybe even shorter than that, like five to 15 years is a massive generational change. Right. So as the baby boomers start to hit that like stereotypical retirement age, and older, right? In the next 10 years, the oldest baby boomers will be in their 80s. People in their early 50s, 40s, 30s, maybe even 20s will start to lead organizations across the board, right? Lead our schools, lead our businesses, lead our nonprofits, lead our government. And and if you just study generations, we're just different types of people than the people that are of power now. So I think that, yeah, I get it. Like at a big company, it's probably for the selection process to say, look, if you don't have a four-year degree, you're out. But again, if you had a guy, I don't know, if you had a guy that was 35 or 40, would you develop a new system that gave you better criteria and, and, and gave you better selections? And maybe college is not one of those major requirements, right? I just think that I, I feel that I don't think you're wrong at all. I think that it will take time. I think it's like 5, 10, 15 years. But we'll start to see people again in their 30s and 40s, or maybe I guess then in 10 years in their 40s and 50s from these Gen Xers or these millennial generations that are just, they think about life a little bit differently and they think about running organizations and, and leading people differently, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I I would tend to agree with the majority of what you guys said kind of collectively. You said something that uh, really struck a chord with me, Scott, because uh, I, I do some mentoring for some uh, high school seniors sure. in uh, kind of an underprivileged part of town. And I just volunteer my time and talk to them about applying for schools and getting loans and, and right. general business stuff, like shaking somebody's hand and looking them <laughs> in the eye, you know, just yeah. stuff that you know isn't really taught in school. It's this great after school program. A lot of the kids, they're 18 and 19 years old. They don't have a clue what they want to do. And so you said something earlier that that uh, I thought you just nailed it. You said something to the effect of going, you know, going to college can be a great experience to find a pathway, right? For, yeah. for something. And so, um, you know, I, I, I tend to encourage a lot of the kids, you know, to, to go to school for that particular reason. Um, yeah. But also just on a, totally separate from the educational component. You know, I was talking to my stepson about this the other day. He's uh, 18, just graduated from high school. He's going away to college. And, you know, I said to him, I said, I said, look, man, college can be the best, some of the best years, if not the absolute best, you know, four years of your entire life. Right. You've got You've got minimal responsibility. Uh, you're probably not working full time. Maybe some, you know, some people are, but yeah. hopefully you're not working, you know, full time. Uh, you're meeting a lot of your lifelong friends, and you're experiencing things that you really only get to experience in this small little window, you know, in your life. And so, I, I think that component is super, super important to our, you know, just progression as as humans. So, um, you guys both made a lot of, a lot of really great points. You know, I know speaking for me personally, you know, I could have gone down a way different pathway than I did. Cause I was hanging out with some sketchy people doing some sketchy <laughs> things and, uh, you know, kind of going to school and going down that pathway kind of helped me correct, correct my path. So I, I think there's a lot of validity in, in, uh, in what you guys both said. So, all right, Scott. Let's let's shift gears. Uh, we're here sure. to here to talk about uh, EPI and you and and in uh, your story. So, sure. before we kind of get into more of of you know what, who is EPI? What are you guys doing? You know, um, talk to us just for a minute, Scott, about 
what it was like selling a business at 24 years old. Most people aren't even in business yet at that age, and you've already <laughs> built and sold one. So yeah. talk to us about what, what that was like, and then kind of um, incorporate now the fact that you're running you know, this great training, education uh, type of company around exit planning. And so knowing what you know now, you know, what would you look back at the 24-year-old Scott and say, you know, this is what we should have done differently, or this is what I would have incorporated, or this would have made it more successful? God, what a what a down rabbit hole type question, right? So you do think about this every day too. And it's like, you know, talk about like growing up through kind of college too and like different life experiences. Like I would say one of the faults of a lot of entrepreneurs of any age, we kind of think we know it all, like, right? Like here are ideas, like we're gonna go and do these things. And like dude, it's not, it's not like that. Like you might be the, you're, you you are an idea guy, right? So you're an idea guy. You're somebody that probably executes well. Uh, you're perhaps like a visionary for your business, but you do not know it all, man. If I was looking back 11 years ago, talking to 11, you know, 24 or 20 year old Scott, man. So the interesting thing, so I might've had an advantage, right? I, I talk a lot about like growing up through value acceleration because it's the process that my dad created from a lifelong career all the way up from large multi-billion dollar public companies all the way down to small family companies uh, and developed a process to allow them to grow and, and become very significant and valuable companies. And so I had a little bit of advantage. So my dad actually was a certified exit planning advisor. He became a SEPA in 2008. So He's always been, you know, probably my biggest mentor and certainly my biggest fan. And so just pinging him with stuff all the time. You know, I, I think that at times too, it'd be interesting to ask dad, I don't know if I've ever actually directed it, directly asked him how serious he took me, right? Because dad's also baby boomer traditional. So talk about college, Austin. He's like, you're not running that landscape of company. You're going to go to the Jesuit college that I went to. You're going to get that business degree. If you want to minor in entrepreneurship, you can but you're going to go there. Like, we're not going to be cutting grass the rest of our life. This is not it. And then I literally, I was like, reluctantly went to college and for a year, a traditional debt Jesuit college. And I used to take my truck because you couldn't park on the premises when you were a freshman. I used to put it in the garage at Target. And so with a tarp over the lawnmower so I could work after class. So I would say like, God, like, like Lance or Landon, like, 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 life lessons, like one of them is don't grow too fast. I think that you hear it all the time as young entrepreneurs. And I definitely grew too fast. Like I tripled the revenue of my company in one year and I did the traditional sell it before you actually could go do it. Right. So we have all this contracts to fulfill and I have like four employees where I should have like 20. I have like a push mower when I should have like trucks and trailers. And, uh, you know, it was quite difficult to fulfill. And so, in fact, it's kind of like the less is more. It's like you have to have the infrastructure there to make it happen. And so, and I can tell you in our heyday, we were growing kind of like API is growing, but we weren't growing with, with really solid vision, strategy, and infrastructure built around us. So, honestly, one of the reasons I considered selling was, if you remember, right, we had that recession in like, what was that, 808, 9, 10, right? And we kind of took a hit back then. And so that was also kind of right for me. And the other thing is, again, I, I said it earlier on the show, it's like, don't let your business define you. I could tell you, I, that's who I was. I was Landscaper Scott. I was that, like I used to put everything I had into my business. I literally would come home still living with my parents. I would come home like full of mulch and grass clippings and dirt on the face. And I would eat dinner with my mom and then fall asleep literally on the carpet while she watched TV. I'd get up. I wouldn't shower and go back to the shop at 5.30 in the morning to meet the crews by 6.30. So there was not a lot outside of business. And I know a lot of us, it's hard to think about, especially if we're in a startup situation where you're really dumping a lot of time and energy and building this thing. But I think that as you stabilize, you have to understand that it's a it's truly about business, personal, and financial. It's one of the core concepts we teach at EPI now that you know a lot of land and a lot of the stuff that we teach at EPI I wish I really knew back then. And it was probably a combination of dad who is and was a SEPA, not necessarily taking me as seriously. And then naive 19, 20, 21, 22 year old Scott, not really taking him seriously. And I could tell you that even though I 
grew up through value acceleration. There was like some key things like that, like incorporating personal financial planning into what I do. I mean, you're a 24 year old, you have a chunk of change. So I was like the richest 24 year old of my friends. I blew all that money. It's all gone. Blew all that. I invested some with dad so we could go get, you know, buy EPI. And the rest of it, I was like, well, I don't need anything. I like, you know, I, I bought a house. I paid cash for a brand new infinity. Stupid. Like what a stupid thing. And you're kind of living the lifestyle. And then you're kind of wandering around because I didn't have to work really. So I did some cool things. Talk about life building things. Like I served on a lot of public council or, or I taught uh, at, at the local, my high school's entrepreneurship and innovation center. I went to play professional soccer and it got me surrounded with a bunch of people that I probably wouldn't necessarily have bumped into before because honestly, I I grew up pretty like white dude in the suburbs. Right. So like getting to experience a lot of things, I went to a private Catholic all boy high school. Right. So getting outside of my business that year that I, before I joined my father's uh, and experiencing life a little bit was certainly uh, an eye opening experience. Well, so this balance of, business, personal, and financial, again, something we teach today was like a huge lesson that I learned now, but I did not learn back then because I left my company and I literally was like almost depressed for the first couple months. Like there was no grind anymore. Like I'm seeing the guy that bought my company with my trucks mowing lawns. Like I kind of like totally creep on them, like just drive my car past the property that was at because I would know the schedule. So, you know, I was lost a little bit. And what I found was that it was really entrepreneurship that drove me, right? It was really about whether it was a professional education company wearing a suit and tie or a landscaping company wearing a polo shirt and khakis. It was really about leading people, developing something cool, giving back to others, having unique products and and the challenge of growing a a significant company that really I was after. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to do my best not to ask, uh, or not not make a statement about uh, exit planning, you know, because there's so many uh, exit planning has really become a big thing, you know, like a buzzword days. almost, right? Right, like you know, everyone says like you know, exit is the four letter, you know, word that the owners never want to talk about. Or I'm not, I'm not going to say something like that, but w- what I can say is that the Exit Planning Institute, you guys have done a phenomenal job of really helping a lot of professional advisors and business owners really understand that exit planning is a lot more than just an owner finding someone saying, I want to sell my business in six months. You know, how do we get the highest price? Like you guys have really opened the eyes uh, to a lot of advisors and business owners to help them really understand that this whole exit and transition planning thing is 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 really a a process and when done correctly in itself builds long-term value you know for a private company so in your words scott you know what what is exit planning great question so exit planning is the pathway to create a significant company that aligns with the business owner's personal and financial goals so if you dove deeper into that right the next question logically is well what the heck is a significant company So I think a lot of business owners have successful companies, right? So if you look at lower middle market business owners, we're typically well off. We have nice cars, nice things, second homes. You know, we 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 have we typically have a good product, an engaged customer. People generally like working there. But when we go to sell, like what you're talking about, we think about okay, I'm about to exit 12, 18, 24 months. I got to prep my company for sale. We find that it's not ready at all. And as you start to dig in there, you find like, oh my God, like my employees weren't all that happy. My customers are very concentrated and nothing's really scalable or sustainable without me or my leadership team around. So what that means is actually quite risky. And although I was cranking cash for a long time, no one's going to want to buy this thing because it's too risky and you can't replicate it. And so to me, that's the difference. Like that seemingly is a successful company, but when it goes to transition, it's not significant. And what, I, what I'm passionate about is showing owners how to grow that significant company. Because if you, like you said, if you concentrate on exit now, uh, you will not only drive more net profits for your business today, but you'll have a business that's decentralized from you, the owner that can likely grow without you and also be significant. And then if you wrap in the owner's personal and financial plans, 
you kind of connect these three dots that I think owners float around. It's like, how do I connect my business goals and ambition with my personal goals and within ambitions? And how do I wrap a personal financial strategy around everything to really make this thing go for me uh, and my family? And, and, and I broaden that out by saying, I think a lot of times, like I said, I think we know a lot of, we feel we know a lot of the answers in the right direction to go. I think we also sometimes think because particularly like baby boomers, they've been through like as owners, like remember like Y2K and like the 2000, you know, like recessions, COVID, they're kind of built to handle crisis. So they just think they're indestructible. And then somebody gets cancer and, and passes away and the business can't operate or you have a massive dispute or, or frankly, COVID happens and there's a big global pandemic, a disease that destroys your company and you're forced to exit. I would like to be as prepared for the unplanned as possible. So it's like, I think we got to really start to get real with ourselves. And that's what advisors help us do is have these tougher conversations that allow us to think more holistically. And that's really what exit planning is about. It's about creating a better company today, which drives immense value tomorrow. So, so that's why, I mean, and, and that's why as a 35 year old owner now, why I'm so passionate about teaching exit planning, not just to advisors, but to owners of really all generations, because I think it makes massive impacts for people. Yeah. <clears throat> I feel like it just needs to have a different name. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the reality is, it, it just <laughs> we talked about be, this before I feel. <clears throat> it, it, it is. It's so crazy because Landon's right. I mean, when he set it up, it's a four-letter word that business owners don't want to talk about. And so what they do is they just put it off and, and don't deal with it at all. Uh, I think on this radio program, we probably use Stephen Covey's begin with the end in mind more than any other phrase that we've sure. ever yeah, that ever gets used. But it's useful in this in this situation, right? I mean, I feel like if we could come up with a better term that makes sense so that that business owners understand okay, I'm starting a business or I started a business six months ago. It's probably going to last. I feel like we're getting some momentum going here. What do I need to do to make sure that this company becomes, in your words, a company of significance in the future? And I've got to define what that means to me as an owner because significance means something to somebody, you know, each person differently. And that's fine, right? Yeah, of course. But then, like you said, okay, whatever that means, and what's the timeline that I want, but how do I plan for if that timeline doesn't hit or if one of my two partners decides they don't want to do this in three years, but we planned on selling in right. 10 right. or what if one of our partners becomes sick or what if one of our partners dies? Like all of that is encompassed in exit planning, but the message is not out there that that's part of exit planning, right? It's business planning. And yeah. so I, I feel like it could be business planning with a bit of succession and exit planning built in. You know what I'm saying? Because it truly <laughs> is. It's it's business planning. Um, but everybody views it as exit planning. And so it gets put to the side and doesn't get dealt with when it should be. Yeah. I mean, I think you like, we. so we do a lot of research, right? So like the state of owner readiness research, I always find it fascinating. We ask a question, something like, does, how, like, what's your level of agreement, right? Strongly agree, somewhat agree, whatever it is. But we ask the question is, is exit strategy both important to you and your future personally and important to the company's future? And like something like 60% of them strong owners strongly agreed. If we added up all the agree categories, it's something like 95 or something percent. But when you ask the follow-up questions is, to your point, Austin, like, do you have an, a written exit strategy? 79% said no. Have you done any planning at all? 48% said absolutely not. And we said, do you know what you want to do if in the next act of your life, whether that next act's at 24 or whether that next act is at traditional retirement age at 62 or 65, 94% said, no, I haven't even talked about personal planning. And so there's like this huge disconnect, right? It's like your value system doesn't match your goals. Like if your goal is I need to have a transition or exit strategy because it's going to make me and my company more significant, but I'm not doing anything about it, then why? And so I don't know if it's as much, I think, well, I think it's, I don't know if it's as much about the word word exit as it is about, it's just not defined properly. And I also think guys like us got to be a little bit patient too, right? Because if you think about the industry or the profession of exit planning, I mean, John Brown at the Business Enterprise Institute uh, was started talking about it in 1998, kind of considered one of the founders of the profession. 
followed by our founder, Peter Christman and Rich Jackham, which furthered the conversation in 2000 and 2005. So it's really the, the, the concept of let's actively plan for the exit of our company really hasn't been around like all that much. I feel like if you looked at, don't quote me on this, but it's like AICPA, they have like 600, 660,000 CPAs in the United States today. I think they were founded in like 1892. So I feel like we know what accounting is, right? I feel like it's been around a while. But when you talk to a business owner about exit strategy, they're talking about what we're talking about now. And it's like, oh man, I'm 35. Like I'm not, I'm a, I'm run this company next 20 years, make millions. Like there's no way. I'm not talking about exit. But what they don't realize is like, Scott, you literally could walk out of this office, go into your doctor's appointment tomorrow, and they could tell you have cancer. And if you don't have yourself surrounded with a good business partner and a good leadership team that knows what's going on with, with, with sustainable models to run this company, like you're screwed. Your family's screwed. Your customers are screwed. Your employees are screwed. And I'm saying like, I know this might get too deep or like social here, but it's like, I feel as an entrepreneur, I, I signed up to have an obligation bigger than myself, right? Like I got 20 people that are working here. I got 2,600 certified exit planning advisors. If EPI doesn't exist, there's no SEPAs. There's no significant companies. There's 20 people don't have jobs. And the probably other 15 vendors that we use lost a major client. So it's totally irresponsible to think like that. And that's why I'm saying I, it is about the exit. And I'm saying that we just don't define it the right way or we're trying to define it. I think we've defined it the right way, but now it's how does this smaller company with only 2,600 SEPAs carry that message and torch out to the literally hundreds of thousands, if not millions of advisors that are out in the marketplace that go sit around these advisory tables with the owners. And so I think that's my challenge, right? Is how do I get that message? So I hope a guy like me at 35 that's been running a company literally talk about our original conversation in college literally was taught value acceleration. He was taught that he or she was taught that you run a business with an end in mind, you run a 90-day business sprints, and you incorporate the personal and personal financial plans from a young age. And it's just, but I'm saying, I know it sounds like rainbows and butterflies are in the clouds a little bit, but like, this is my vision, right? This is why, you know, I consider myself third generation of exit planning. My dad founded the methodology and wrapped a process around the concepts that Rich and Pete founded back in 2005. Dad came in and, and wrapped the process around in 2013. And now between the baby boomers and then people in their 50s, 40s, and 30s, and maybe even 20s, through our certified exit planning advisors, I think we have a real opportunity to literally change the way companies in this country operate. And that's like my that's like my Vern Harnish big fat audacious goal or or Gina Wickman, that BHAG kind of thing, right? It's like I want people like value acceleration, like duh, it's the language that we speak inside my company. So, but you could tell my passion for it, right? I I don't mind the word exit. It's just not well defined. And I'm trying I think I have the definition. I just got to get it out there. So that's my challenge right now in my business is how do I spread rapidly this message that exit planning isn't scary. Exit planning uh, isn't something that you do when you're quote ready to sell. It's something that you incorporate, whether you're 20 years old starting your company or whether you're 70 year old trying to harvest value. It's always a part of who you are. So, and it's tough and it's tough. And we chose the, the pathway to do that is, is, is through our, our advisors that learn the process and then go advise those owners. You know, Austin and I, Scott, you know, we, we, in our, in our practice that we own together, we focus exclusively on working with private business owners when it, when it comes to our new clients. Sure. And I think a lot of the stuff that you are teaching advisors, you know, we have incorporated a lot of that stuff into our practice and I think that's a big, big reason why we've had a lot of success working with the owners that that we work with and are getting hired by on a on a regular basis because we're not necessarily using the word exit, but sure. we're talking to them about all of the facets surrounding exit planning and saying, you know, have you thought about this? Well, what if this happened? Yeah. Have you planned for this? What if we're able to do this instead of doing that? And it's all, it's all geared around succession and exit planning. Yeah. It's just kind of, we're just coming at it from a little bit different angle. But I think what you were just talking about is a perfect segue into my next question here, which the question is like, 
Okay, so everything you're saying is spot on. And and Scott, I I wholeheartedly believe that in I don't know if it's five years or 10 years or 20 years, that these 40 and 50 year old owners that are gonna be selling their companies, yeah, they are going to be looking back and going, wow, like Scott and his and his dad and the crew over there at Exit Planning Institute, like these guys really changed the trajectory of my business. Like I, I really do believe that because I think that you guys are making a significant impact in, in this Thank industry. You. In Thanks. fact, I, I know that you are, I just don't know how significant yet. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, right? That's what I'm saying. It's about, yeah, it's, it's like right now it's hard to measure because people are just starting to implement exit planning. Right. So, and it takes, three, five, eight years to really get it going and, and living in your company. So you're absolutely right. We're like, yep. just yep. seeing some results. Absolutely. So how, how do we engage these owners, Scott? Uh, ones that are maybe, uh, how, how do I say this lightly? Uh, maybe they're a little bit more set in their ways and yeah. they, they think that, uh, they're never going to get hit by the proverbial bus. They're never going to get sick. They're never going to have a partner dispute. They're never going to get divorced. How do you engage, you know, what tactics can you use to engage these types of owners? So great question. I think this is like for the advisors out there trying to have these types of conversations. It's like probably your biggest hurdle. It's like, they don't understand what I'm talking about. And yeah. And also your previous comment about exit, like, I don't know if I would lead with exit planning because they already have a definition of in their, in their mind. So we have to redefine exit planning to do that. You can't lead with it because they already have a notion. They already have a thought about that. So great question. One, I think it's through storytelling. So like, for example, one of the last in-person speaking events that I was at, it was in Pittsburgh. And the lady came up to me after I spoke there and she said, Scott, it really hit me today in your conversation because I had a family business with my two sisters, my older sister. Uh, was the visionary for our, our 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 business and the CEO and the majority owner. And in November of, let's call it 2019, she was diagnosed with cancer and by Christmas, she had passed away. And between basically mid-December and January, me and my sister literally couldn't get along and we just like fire sailed the business out. It totally destroyed our relationship, totally destroyed 20 years of work that we put together. It was horrible. So I just think like sharing stories of fellow owners, like if you take that state of owner readiness survey again, it was interesting to look at. The biggest chunk of owners, 40%, said that their CPA was their most trusted advisor. But the next next biggest chunk, something like 30, 35%, the owners indicated that their fellow owners, their peer groups, like a Vistage or an EO or a chief executive boards were the next most trusted advisor. So if we could start sharing stories, good and bad, not not certainly not a scare tactic, but just real life stories. I think it starts to hit home a little bit more. Like I could tell you that, you know, not to get too personal, but like my dad, 62, 63 years old, his mother passed away last year and his father just finally signed the will and he's, they're 97 years old. And I think COVID kind of scared the crap out of my dad. He's like, not just from a business standpoint, like having to pivot a whole company, but as a 60 year old guy who was in that realm of like, man, like if I get sick, I might die. And what, what's, what do I have my affairs in order if that happened? And so I just think that what I think sharing stories with owners of, of other owners going through some type of transition is a success. But I really think it comes down to, we have to be able to kind of intrigue and empower the business owner along the way. The other research that we did, we found that 10% of owners were actually already actively doing some type of value growth or exit planning type project. The other side of the spectrum, we found that 30% indicated that they probably would never do anything at all. They're just going to die with their business. So, you know, we'll deal with that later. But then we found this like middle 60% that said, if I just maybe, I guess, knew a little bit more, like if they were talking to me about it, like the way you just put it into this paragraph right here, like, yeah, I might be interested in that. So Landon, I think it was what you were saying earlier about how you guys in your own business are positioning with owners. Like, let's talk about the four intangible capitals, human capital, structural capital, social capital, and, and, and customer capital, and have a business conversation. And what they'll find is that if you just drive value in those four Cs, it's likely that your business will sell for higher multiples. That is exit planning. 
Owners walk into their shop floors, offices, factories every day doing exit planning. They do it very unintentionally and not very deliberately or framed. The methodology and process allows you to frame it up and let it be a part of your daily conversation, your daily drive, your strategic plans. And then let's, you know, let's talk about something like five stages of value maturity in order to really manage the value that we might harvest one day. We got to identify with what we, what we have and then walk up the value maturity index. Or you might talk about something like three legs of the stool. You might say, how you, everybody has business, personal, and financial goals. What's your wealth gap? The owner's going to say, well, what, what do you mean? Like, how much money do you need for the next act of your life? I think that everybody kind of hits a point where, hey, I've been doing this 20, 30, 40 years. I want to do some other stuff. I got grandkid now. I might want to own a minor league baseball team. I might want to retire in the mountains. I might want to mentor younger entrepreneurs. I might want to buy a car wash because I'm an auto, you know, auto, uh, like an auto collector, a car collector. Whatever that is, we need to establish what that goal is and then work backwards. And then we're going to say, look, that gap that you have is likely going to have to be filled by your business. So really to have that wealth gap conversation, we have to understand your personal plans. So what do you want to do? And then once we understand your personal plans, I can go to a financial advisor and say, well, how do I wrap a financial strategy around this? And they're going to say, well, how much is your business worth? Because that's your largest asset. And you're going to be like, I don't know. So, okay, now we got to go find out what your business is worth. So now right there in those 20 seconds, I just said that we had a mini conversation about the three legs of the stool that I would hope was authentic, real. And the owner's like, yeah, I mean, I, I get that. Well, I'm saying, well, that is exit planning and we should be doing that every day. So I think you're right. It's not leading with the definition of exit planning or, or I think, you know, I was just on another call, this, you know, another show earlier. And we talked about meeting the owner where they are. I think a lot of advisors say, we got to do exit planning. You're, you might die or you're, you know, 70% of the businesses put on the market don't sell. Or do you really want to leave all your problems with your kid? And they're like, whoa, like I'm just kind of learning here, guys. Like, like good Lord, like, like, like push back. And be like, whoa, you're trying to shove this down my throat. Or you might meet somebody that, like me, that's, into value acceleration, trying to grow a company rapidly and trying to grow a company to harvest. Well, have the value acceleration and exit planning conversation with me all the time. I love that. Or they might need be in a position where unfortunately due to one of those like a death or divorce or a disease or due to they're just winding down and older, they want to sell in 12 to 24 months. And you have to set the expectation where you might not get what you want, or let's have these kind of conversations, decisions. So I guess backing all the way up, you kind of got to meet the owner where they are. Once you meet the owner where they are, then we could develop as advisors, the right solution for them. And that could be simple education and like almost like a nurture. It could be active exit planning and value acceleration, or it could be like, dude, this guy needs to sell like now for whatever reason. And we need to have those types of conversations. And I also round that out with knowing your generations. If you're going to go to a, a, a person in their 40s or early 50s, a Gen X or give or take, and tell them and, and talk to, let's say, let's talk to them about retirement. Let's talk to them about saving time, working smarter, not harder. Let's talk to them about a work-life balance. That is exit planning. Exit planning can achieve everything. And they're going to be like, dude, you're talking to me because that's what that generation is all about. They value their time. They want to balance. Uh, they want to work smarter, not harder. If you're talking to me, a millennial, well, I'm a go, go, go. My problem isn't, I, I like going, but I, I, and in fact, I'm so ambitious, but I don't have a framework. So I'm just going, 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 doing all these things. And I'm saying, guys, why isn't this working? Like, slow down. Let's frame this out. I'm also a financial advisor's worst nightmare. I'm a millennial. So we, we earn to spend. Like my financial advisor, I was supposed to drop like 20 grand into account the other day. And he's like, Scott, you missed the 20 grand deposit. And I was like, yeah, I bought nine acres. And he's like, dude, you know, so it's like, all right, I'm taking a vacation. I needed some of that. And he's like, dude. So I think that if you meet the owner where they are, if you understand who they are as a generation, we as, I guess, advisors or perhaps in that salespeople trying to educate and land new business with owners, you're going to be a hell of a lot more successful if you just kind of slow down and speed up and be, instead of giving the right answers to the owners, kind of ask the right questions. I know that was yeah. a long rant. Sorry, guys. So we we've only got about ten minutes left, Scott, and I wanted I want to talk to you about how, you know, 
you're implementing value acceleration in in EPI. Sure. But uh, I just want to just make just a, a quick uh, reference to something. So you you alluded to your dad's uh, to to your grandma on your dad's side that passed yeah. away, and your grandpa's addressing the will, and they're ninety seven, right? So that's <laughs> one end of the spectrum. And I'll just share a quick story. And uh, uh, I think I'm okay to do this because she has been sharing this on social media the last couple of days. But we interviewed a, a woman on our show last year, Scott. She's a young, super ambitious entrepreneur. She's in her 30s, I believe, started a great little company. And I hadn't really seen much from her in the last few months. And just the last couple of days, literally on LinkedIn, she has been posting that she is basically been fighting COVID and she is fighting for her life. On top of that, she just had an a, a emergency uh, C-section for her son wow. that was born. And she is, wow. she's, in, she's in critical condition, they said on this post, and that she is essentially fighting for her life. And so I, I just, one, I, I want to mention that so that we can send our love and, and prayers yeah. and support out to Cass, Cassidy Hazelton as she is going through this major trial. Now, we just want her to know that we're, we're here and supporting her. And, and also just to use that as, a, as an example on the total opposite side of the spectrum, right? Just absolutely something that you could never plan or imagine that would happen to you. So yeah, I, I share that because maybe it gets one or two people listening to the show to think just a little bit differently about their approach when it comes to just having some kind of plan to uh, transition, exit, sell, whatever their business just to a, to a, you know, to another party. So anyway, just want to mention that. Um, okay. So in the seven minutes we've got left, Scott, yeah, talk sure. us about, because I, I follow you closely on social media. So I know, I know what you're up to for the most part, yeah. at least at a, at a high level. Yeah. Uh, so I know that you guys are doing a lot of stuff right now, working, um, you know, on the business. So talk to us a little bit about what you guys are doing to incorporate, you know, value acceleration at, at uh, EPI. Yeah. So it's actually quite a difficult position to be in, right? Like you're teaching everybody value acceleration and their first question is like, well, what the hell is your exit strategy, right? So, and you're kind of seeing it, if you put another layer on top of it, we're a family business. So we have those time kind of dynamics. So first and foremost, I would say we surround ourselves with the right advisors for us, right? So like we have a couple of different styles of attorneys, we have financial advisors, we have CPAs, we have a couple of like business consultant coaches. We have like a leadership and like people coach uh, that really sit around the table with us and, and advise us actively. Uh, and all believe in the same thing. So they, I, they're all SEPAs. So they all can communicate. Even though my CPA doesn't quite get into my personal life, he's in tune to what's going on in my personal life. And my financial advisor certainly is, right? So like those types of things. Beyond that, I think that- Can I stop you? Can I stop yeah. you for one second? Yeah. Are they sitting around the same table at the same time? Yes, always. Absolutely. I, I mean, I'm having like a, obviously you might have like a one-off tax conversation yeah. with your, you know, but yeah, we do. So we do, to be specific, we do quarterly meetings. I mean, it's costly, right? Exit planning isn't cheap, but if you want to increase your multiple by five, 10 times, perhaps you might think about doing it now, but yeah, so it's an expensive meeting, but they sit with us quarterly. And then they also attend a meeting right after our, uh, what we call our company annual retreat. So we do two styles of retreat on the back end of every year. One, and this is exit planning, right? This is exit planning, value acceleration in action. So at the end of the year, we invite all 20 of our employees to an offsite company retreat where we talk strategy. That strategy is a mis immediate like business growth type things, customer type things. But if you boil it down to the conversation we just had, they're building the intangible capitals. And so, and then all of our employees speak this value acceleration talk, like literally the marketing team sitting here saying, we've implemented this new strategy. We believe we could drive these new leads. And if the sales guys can land them, we'll have this much more revenue. But we put in a brand book, standard operating procedures, new job descriptions, new website, documented everything, archived all the content. Boom, that's structural capital, higher value companies. So they get to participate in the exit planning conversation. And me and Chris take feedback. We say, look, this is the stuff we should start doing, stop doing, or continue to do more of. 
and they get an active voice in that. We also share our plans each year with our employees. It's no doubt that obviously I was just named president for a reason because Chris wants to take more of a content and faculty level thing and wants to get out of the daily jive of the business. And so we talk about that with all of our people. And then after that happens, when the executive team gets together and starts to formulate these one-year and three-year plans, we bring in that advisory team. But we also follow the methodology and standpoint of 90-day sprints. So our, we have two concurrent teams. Some of the personal folks on our team work on our personal and personal financial plans. Business people work on our business plan. We get together quarterly to share the, the progress or lack thereof and where the holes are. And then we do what we call an enterprise value assessment every single year. So we know exactly what our business is worth in that moment. And we know the potential value that it could be worth given the multiples in our industry. And we're trying to drive towards best in class every year. We also understand each year where the holes in our company are. So we could deploy the right research to start to mitigate risk, plug some of the holes and, and document that stuff. And I would say, you know, lastly, that being a family business, there's a great tool by Tom Deans, the family business guy out of Canada. And he has a tool called a book called Every Family's Business. And there's the family business blueprint. And it's actually asked some pretty hard questions uh, between father and son or daughter and, and son, whatever, or, you know, or daughter and mother, whatever that might be for that family dynamic. But they ask questions like, given Chris is 62 and Scott, you're 35, if Chris wanted to sell right now, are you, ready, are you personally ready to sell? His answer might be yes. My answer might be no. So then we got to talk about that. And for the most part, dad and I communicate, I would say, I'd like to think better than the next, but I probably sound like a typical family business owner. Like, yeah, of course we do. So there's no doubt that when we do feel that it's time that we're at a, a, a block, we believe in bringing in our advisors to help navigate that, I think, what I would consider a tougher type conversation. So, you know, that's the seven minute or six minute run of how we implement exit strategy. But there's no doubt, guys, that like we'll, we'd be full of it if we, me and Chris couldn't do it ourselves. Like I want to be the example of a significant company ourselves so that we can go show how it, it, it actually works in the marketplace. Like we're our own case study. And Landon, to your point, I try to post about it all the time, like showing, pulling back the covers a little bit. Dad certainly doesn't like that because he's like, what about our competition? They're learning all about our business. And I'm like, hey, man, I, I mean, most people aren't doing what we're doing, Dad. So hopefully they'll be like trailing us in behind. But I think in order to show what we want to happen in the marketplace, we got to be that and we got to show it. So uh, I try to share it on, on particularly LinkedIn often. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that you're right on that one. I mean, I I'm not saying your dad's wrong. I've never even oh, met no. your dad, but the, the, <laughs> the reality is, <laughs> the reality is, you, 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 I mean, this is the day and age we live in, right? Yeah, you've got to exactly. be you've got to be sharing that content and not worrying about whether or not your your competition is going to steal that, yeah. right? Because again, it, and that might cares? be generational, right? It might just be generational, or it might be a corporate mindset to a smaller business mindset, or it could just be a guy that's like dude, like this is my big asset. Like, don't screw this up. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I think yeah. different generations, but and different levels of risk and what we want to take. But nonetheless, yeah, I, yeah, I certainly am I'm probably more than more of an open book than the next guy for sure. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, I mean, I think that the way that you've explained some things today, Chris, to some of our business owner community, I think they're hearing it in a different way. Yeah. Uh, I think for people like Landon and I and, and the other SIPAs that you work with throughout the country, it's a good reminder for us to say that we've got to be approaching things in the right way by asking the right questions so that this kind of stuff is being done because it's super important uh, information and work. Yeah. And then all this, you know, I mean, we're at the end of the, the show here. So I, I want to make sure that you know that we appreciate you coming on. We think that Absolutely. the content that you've shared is fantastic. And I think we should have an offline conversation about, you know, maybe a regular spot on the show. Cause I think there are so many things that we could have you do um, where we could dig deeper and people are going to get value from the conversations. I appreciate that. No, I love doing stuff like this. Gets me out of the office desk. It's like going from the landscaping world where you're out and about hanging out with customers and employees all day to like pushing paper at your desk and like trying to be visionary and strategic. I love doing this kind of stuff because it spreads the message. So that is yeah. also exit planning decentralizing the owner so I could be more of a visionary. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for being on and we look forward to having you on the next time as well. Thanks guys. I appreciate it. Man. You've been listening to Tycoons of Small Biz. 
proudly hosted by Austin Peterson and Landon Mance. Austin and Landon are comprehensive financial planning professionals specializing in financial, estate, and succession planning for small business owners. Austin and Landon have offices in Scottsdale, Arizona, and Las Vegas, Nevada, and represent clients in 14 states throughout the country. Join Austin, Landon, and the Featured Tycoons live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. right here on Business Radio X and your favorite podcast platform.